I hear them talking in the streets, but they don't say the real. We really debating the industry and what the six of feel. Cold shoulders turn to open arms when you on for real. Ain't no strangers to the bricks. Now let's build something for real. It's too real, real, it's too real. Yo, what's going on everybody? It's It's Too Real the Podcast. We back it's for another episode. This is this is a great episode for, to me. Personally, I want to get this episode out the way and so much knowledge from this man that's in front of me right here, you know what I mean? And I, I look at him as a pioneer. Maybe you don't know him, but when you get to know him, you guys respect what he's done. Um, Before y'all go into this episode, like, yeah, the noise in the background might be a little crazy, just a little bit. Because right now where we're at is, is they were they rehearsing crazy out here and we didn't we didn't know it was gonna be like this today, but um we got Harris Rosen in the building. What's going on, sir? I'm here. How you guys doing? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm right, man. How 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 you how you enjoying the weekend? How was summer? Summer was okay. Spent a lot of time with my son. Today was a great day. LFC one four one. I'm happy. Okay, yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool. You know what I mean? Shout out to Manchester United. We took an L today. You know what I mean? But um. Jose's not so special anymore. No, he's still a special one, but I, I'm going to just say I think regardless, Pep Guardiola is the best coach in the world. Like, And he just always – he's going to come on out on top. If he has good players, he doesn't even need to have Barcelona. He he can always have a chance to win, you know what I mean? So I think that's that's what happened today. But we just, we're not we're not informed yet. We're going to get ready, you know what I mean? But um, where in the city are you from? Where I was born or where I live. Where were you, like, what were your background? Like, where, 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 going, like, where you were know, you born? You know, Toronto? spent the first while of my life Dufferin and Wilson area. Mm-hmm. Moved down to Willowdale, and I've been downtown for, like, 20-plus years now in the same area, basically. So what was it like growing up when you were, like, growing up in Toronto when you were younger, younger like, during your teenage years and shit? Waiting on the TTC like everybody else. <laughs> that, was, that was how life was? No, it was okay. I spent a lot of time downtown when I was a kid. And uh, always going downtown and buying records and hanging out and going to punk rock shows and yeah. meeting people and just being out on the streets rather than being home in the suburbs. Yeah. So what was it like? What was the vibe down here in the 90s? Like, oh, 80s, even yeah, in the 80s. Like, what was it down like in Toronto? Because you're saying downtown, like, now, like, everybody's starting to figure out, like, downtown's where it's at. But, like, you're making it seem like it's always been like that. You know what I mean? Like, I actually seen some videos and stuff, like, people it's always been downtown where everybody would come so like what was the vibe like was it just like the same way it is now you see the same people on the streets the same people like playing music like how was it was it cleaner well it was cleaner but it was dirtier and grimier at the same time and uh less hipsters and uh people with uh no socks yeah (laughs) less hipsters huh um like your first your first taste of music was heavy metal rock right like, what was that? You know, I grew up as, you know, I was into metal and punk rock, and then I got into jazz, and I got into hip-hop and R&B and everything. Just I love all types of music. I listen to anything, basically. No, but as far as when you were growing up, like, what was you, you that, like, because I read that, literally read that you said rock, was, um, heavy metal was your thing, you know what I mean? So, like, how was that? Like, how did, what, what age was that? Like, do you feel like you would listen to that heavy metal stuff? Was that, that was, like, high school stuff like that. Was that what, like, what, what were other people listening to? Like, okay, the people that you would feel that you met up with in the hip-hop crowd before hip-hop, like, finally emerged. Like, what were they listening to? Like, was everybody listening? Like, like. I don't know. Like, when, when I when I went to uh, 
college back in the day when I went to Seneca College and I was around in the radio station, a lot of people were into like R&B and uh, hip hop. And I remember guys going oh, across like the board and say, yeah, I, my, my yeah. prerogative, nothing yeah. was bigger than that. And then, uh, you know, Johnny Kemp, you know, just got so that, paid. Rest so that, that New Kemp. Jack Funk and New Jack Swing was in that Toronto, was it, too. Like, Toronto? That was it. That was huge. We were, people out here Teddy were Riley was running it. People out here were bumping that? Uh, no doubt. I remember guys going across the border to buy 12 inches and all that. Oh, you couldn't get them out here? You could. You know, there was a couple of stores, you know, Star Sound, Play the Records, you know, a couple of places like that. But there really wasn't a lot. Record Peddler had some, too. But, you know... Mm-hmm. No one was really bringing in a lot of the New Jack Swing other than Star Sound and Play D and all that. Yeah, so yeah, so, so back then that was what people were rocking at at the parties and stuff like that, though. I didn't really go to many parties at that age, but yeah, that was what people were playing. That was okay. what everybody was into, really. Um, so when did you turn into hip? Like, when did hip hop become your thing? Like, I read that you said um that it was like from rock and then like. Can you give me, like, your view of how hip-hop came? Like, cause basically, to me or how it came to you, into general? No, to you, because basically you said, I, I read that you um went from rock to, like, then the Beastie Boys and J- Run DMC. And, and I, people say that, that that's kind of rock, too. Like, they, like, they're hip like. So, okay, Beastie Boys, first of all, started off as a punk rock group. Yeah. They had this EP, Polywog Stew, and they were playing punk rock shows, and they were a straight-up punk band. Yeah. Then um, they put out uh, Cookie Puss, I think it was on Rat Cage Records. It had like the Carvel guy from the Carvel ice cream yeah. commercials and mm-hmm. all that. And it had like, these crumbs are making me itch. And it had all these scratches and they yeah. were kind of rhyming light over it. It wasn't to the crazy. Then um, they connected with uh, Rick Rubin. Like, you know, all the whole yeah, story yeah, about Rick Rubin in the dorm room with mm-hmm. Russell Simmons and all that, NYU. Yeah. And uh, Def Jam 004 was this 12-inch rock hard. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the Beastie Boys. It, they were just laying it down. It was so heavy. You could find it online. So they were and then they had this song. They were like over Back in Black, mm-hmm. that ACDC yeah. song. It was over the top. And it was like a four-track EP. Yeah. And that was phenomenal. And I also was a really, really, really big fan of Run DMC. I'm not going to say I was down with them when they first album was out although yeah. i listened to it a bit but down with the king for me i think that was 1985 yeah that was a big transformational record that was an incredible record a lot so, of big tunes on that record like, every time you tell me something like this i want you to give me like your perspective how like the city wasn't feeling of, like when this stuff dropped because i just because we only have history of like american the american side of things you know what i mean we don't really i don't personally know maybe other people know because i don't know anybody who was really around during those times, you know what I mean, like that. So, like, was that like where people, when Run DMC and all that came out, were people trying to start rapping? Like, what was like when people rocking shell tops out here? Like, what was that? Like, were they following? Like, what was the, what was the vibe? Run DMC had a big effect, and they played here a few times. Yeah. I remember they played Rock and Roll Heaven. That was before my time. Mm-hmm. I was. It was just called Heavens at that time. It was kind of. It was in. Uh, you know the building by. Um, it was a club downstairs. Right where uh, Bluer Subway is, Bluer and Young Subway, yeah. and later on it turned into a rock club. But they had like Fat Boys there. They had a lot of people there. And mm-hmm. Run DMC played there, and I believe in 1985 on the King of Rock tour. And there was other people putting on shows, and I yeah. didn't really go. It wasn't you know, it wasn't uh, for me. 
but there was a lot of people putting on shows definitely before my time. There was a lot of people doing stuff. Like, do you know you know anybody you can name? Like, um, I think there was this guy Hutchie. Um, Ron Nelson was putting on shows. I went to a lot of his shows. From out here? Oh yeah, Ron Nelson put on tons what was, of what, shows. What was he doing? Rapping or punk rock? Like what? No, Ron Nelson started off. What is, this is my to take? Me, to be honest, I don't know. What is he punk, would, he, what's punk rock? Like, what's, what's punk rock? I don't know what punk rock is. Like to be honest, I know rock music. Like we, we're hearing it right now, like in the background. This ain't punk rock. I'd have to play it for you so you to understand and feel yeah. it. And actually, that's one of the things when I was listening to your podcast. What it can use is some music in it so yeah. you can give examples of what people are talking about yeah and illustrations so people can understand how it is in their head and hear it yeah nah, but, but people people are smart enough to go do the research you know what I mean? yeah like, but, if you're yeah. interested you like me i guess now maybe i might it was the, the you know it was the energy and the aggression they had the same energy and aggression as hip-hop and in the way what, it was all diy it was like, all do-it-yourself stuff so but like how did like and it was all social content like, political you know it was all like yeah. you know um forget you know fuck the big man fuck the law yeah and just like you know fuck being prosecuted and stop putting us on our little corner and rise up and yeah. those was the same as hip-hop and punk rock um okay and there was all these genres and subgenres within it just like there is in hip-hop yeah too. so like back so like you back then like in, in those days let's say the early 90s yeah right let's see now let's say 89 80 let's say yeah 89. yeah what was your swag like? What was you? What was you I never to? really had swag, and you I still no don't. Swag? You didn't. You weren't. You went into the culture straight. You were just straight. I just like the, the music. Just about the music. I'm not gonna fraud out and say I was like running around in Jordans and stuff because I wasn't. What was that the vibe? Because that's what people yeah. were. Yeah. Yeah, but just not me. What was, what was you on? What was I was you just on? on regular shit, and I like still what? am. Dada. Like what was like? No, I wasn't wearing Dada. Shout out <laughs> to Dwayne Lewis, founder of Dada. Okay. Remember he did those spinner shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to KP, he had those, yeah. Um, you got really, like, I read that you said, um, like, to understand. Okay, so let me even kick it back. So, like, are you, like, so basically, like, you were just into the music where you, you were, like, protected from, like, the urban side of things? Like, cause I, like I don't know I say, what you mean, protected, well, but. No, why I say that is because I read that you said you had to read Donald Goins' books and Iceberg Slim to start understanding culture well yeah i'm a white guy yeah exactly That's what you know I, I didn't you know my son's jamaican yeah. but i didn't grow up like yeah you know i'm not gonna so say exactly i grew up saying. living the black life because that would be, that's 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 definitely not the life i grew up with yeah so that's what i'm trying to say so basically you just actually got into the culture of hip-hop and poor pop culture whatever like i started listening to the music and then yeah. i was listening to what they were saying and then i was like where does this come from why are they saying that where does this come from why are they saying that and then you just go deeper and deeper back into the roots and you listen to it you know yeah. that's how you get into stuff like john coltrane yeah. You know, he's probably the greatest musician of all time. There's actually a documentary on him playing at TIFF this week. And that, you know, and then all these people reference it and refer to stuff. Yeah. And then you just go and listen to it, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like Donald Goins, yeah, no, Iceberg he, he's Slam, those Goins are those just yeah. like the dirty, the grimy, the streets. Books, yeah. You know, that was just their life, their streets. Yeah. So that was just a take on one little corner, but it was mm-hmm. really vivid. Yeah. And you know, I read it and it was interesting to read to me. Yeah. But did I live it? Hell no. No, I'm not saying live it exactly, but so that's what you because like I literally read that on the 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 Peace Magazine blog that you said that you had to read Donald Goins books and stuff like that to actually understand what so basically you were just you were just into music. So like basically 
you were you liked when they were spitting that raw stuff? Like what? Like what? Did, what did you relate with? Because like with NWA, with all Ice Ice T, all those guys that were saying you just like this. Yeah, Ice T. When Ice T came out with that second album, Power. Yeah. That shit was some next level when he came on that when he did that uh, Curtis Mayfield stuff on Pusher Man and drama and all that in the cover with him and his wife yeah. and Evil Lee and those guns. That was some next level shit. I remember going to see Ice T, King T, Maestro at the concert hall in the eighties. Yeah. That was some real deal Maestro stuff. Maestro Fresh White, was he back then? Like was he was he a star back then? Like in eighty nine, like ninety like, like Well Maestro's first record sold like more than any other yeah, hip hop back, album up until Drake till this day as far as I know. You know correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. you know, that shit was Maestro was on pop radio. Yeah. Maestro was doing shoe commercials and shit. Yeah. He was like next, 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 next level. Like yeah. for real. That was the biggest thing ever to come from here. Yeah. And then he tried to bring it to New York, and he did his thing, and he was solid. It was just never as big yeah. as he was here. But like out here, he was, yeah, he, was he was enormous, right? Unparalleled. What was he? What was he spitting about? Like what was he? Like what, he was just doing some, you know, was some, a smooth. Type he just of guy. had he had, he had a good team together, you know. He yeah, had, he had he had his uh, he had his management. You know, Farley Flex was managing him. Who's he, Farley Flex? Who's Farley Flex? That's a good story. That's a good question. Farley Flex is a large man with two large brothers, and uh, he was one of the managers of uh, hip hop urban artists. There was him and Ivan Berry. That's another they're story. From, they're Canadians. Or is well, I'm sure they're West Indian. You know, Ivan's from St. Kitts. Okay, he's black. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all all black. So you're saying um, they managed hip hop artists that were. They ma- like Farley managed Kish and Maestro and probably some other people. He was a judge on Canadian Idol for a while, Farley. Oh, word. Yeah, and, okay. and Ivan managed like Dream Warriors and HDV and a bunch of stuff, and he started the Beat Factory label. Yeah. He was really the first guy to talk the talk. Yeah. To talk these so-called white executives into investing into uh, hip hop and hip hop. Yeah. Word. So back like. Back, I'm just trying to get the vibe because, like, yo, so, like back then, so if you would see, like when people would see Maestro Fresh West, like that, that's a big thing. Like when you, when you see him on the street, would the people actually feel like, yo, like they're seeing Drake right now? Like, it was never like that. Okay. It wasn't like screaming girls lining up <laughs> yeah, for three yeah. hours for a T-shirt. Yeah. No, it wasn't like that. Like Drake's on some other. It was level. just it was just respected that yeah. This but guy, it was big for yeah. hip hop and it was big for an urban artist. Did he ever collaborate with any American artists like Maestro? Yeah. Tons. Maestro lived in, I think he lived in Brooklyn, and Maestro did albums out of the U.S. He had an album called Nah, This Kid Can't Be From Canada, which if I can dig through my my thing, we can uh, talk about while while you're asking me questions, but Maestro had a lot of stuff, a lot of people. Like, here's the early Beat Factory, Rap Essentials, those are some early artists. I brought a lot of CD. Yeah, I'm staring at this guy. He has has like, like 75... Toronto artists from back in the day, like albums. Shout out to the Toronto artists, man, putting in work from a long time ago. Because we don't know y'all, so we need to get get up on y'all. <laughs> um, fucking. As far as. So, like, being that you're white, clearly, you know what I mean? Like, back then, because like, hip hop wasn't really accepted, right? So. Like, did your parents accept you like playing hip hop and shit? Like they didn't my care. Parents let me do what I want when I want. Yeah. They're not police. So, no, so nobody cared that they like. So like, were you the only white guy listening to hip hop back then? Or like, I don't know. 
Nah. I don't know. Because I just always heard that, like, back in the day, like, hip-hop was, like, taboo. You know what I mean? People... I did go to a Public Enemy show. It was either in December 26, 1996. 86. 86. Or 87, when they did um, Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Yeah. I did see that tour. And when they were talking about the brother man and the other man, mm-hmm. there was about 30 white people in the audience. Oh, just you. <laughs> but I wasn't stressed. Yeah. It was just there. It was at the concert hall, yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen to this day. Um, You went to a lot of shows back then, right? A lot. Um, Every show, almost. You said... Yo, okay, you had a show, Cypress Hill show, like... You said the um, Insane in the Brain, like that song Okay, so in 1991... Yeah. Ron Nelson brought... Cypress Hill. It's Ron Nelson. That's the same guy that managed. Ron Nelson started off on CKLN Radio. He was the guy doing the hip-hop show. Yeah. And he did that for many years, and he was the king of the hip-hop in Canada, in the college radio stations. But then he stopped, and he only played reggae music. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Yeah. And he brought everybody to Toronto. He brought Big Daddy Kane, he brought yeah. Chub Rock, he brought Special Ed, he brought KRS-One, mm-hmm. you know, all these people. Even uh, the legendary um, Scott LaRock was here. Yeah. There was albums Before back in the day. Dad. There was like a New York, Toronto album with like BDP, KRS-One producing stuff on it. Yeah. And Scott LaRock producing Toronto artists like like uh, Rumble and Strong and all those people. Word. So, okay, man, that's, that sounds like. So, I mean, these artists were coming out here and seeing that. All right, this is another. This is. They, did they recognize Toronto as a market back then? Because. Well, you gotta understand the proximity to New York, and it's another country. Yeah. So it's like up in the air. It's like 50 minutes of flying Word. time, you know. So people would come here for shows, or yeah. they would drive here, and there was a lot of really cool shows. I remember seeing Big Daddy came back, and it was phenomenal. I remember going to see so, so that Cypress Hill show that you're, you're telling about. me you no know, we're gonna get there but it's just crazy that all this stuff you're telling me is that like yo we've been fucking with hip hop we've been fucking with forever like, in Toronto forever but we haven't even got this and we haven't got far yet like that's that's well you know great. how we know uh, the late Chris Lady told me this you know, yeah. life life in business it's crawl walk run yeah, and, you know, well, we're been, just starting we to sprint now with Drake. But, 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 no, so for sure we sprint. Yeah, thing. but that's but that's but that took that's one that's one that, that's time. one sprinter. You that's know what I mean, we ain't got a relay team though. No, we never do. Exactly. I mean, we probably never will. To be no, honest, that's, because but, but, Toronto just, is like you know how Chaos did that song Crab Bucket. A lot of crabs in the bucket. Yeah. And everybody's like fighting each other, and yeah. nobody's trying to put each other up. And no, there's no like one unified city movement. Yeah. And there never has been. And I doubt there ever will be. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Because it's like, to me, it's like, yo, it's not like, honestly, because I don't really know shit. You're, you're the one kicking all this game to me. I don't really know. And don't take I what I say for gospel. I'm just living. That's the, for I'm damn just, sure. I'm just living. You lived it. You know what I mean? I'm just living. I'm just talking about what you lived. So, basically, because if shit, you said Big Daddy Kane, these guys would come over here. All these guys it's came. Like, how is how is rap still not a big big thing? That's crazy out here. Like like, Maestro Fresh Fresh like that was the biggest artist until Cardinal Fresh. All those then. artists used to come back in the day. That's, I saw Too Short, Common when he was Common Sense, Gangstar, Heavy D, the late yeah. Heavy D, rest in peace, Heavy D. Everybody came all the time. 
Yeah. Toronto's a big market. And we and one of the reasons a lot of people came is because of much music. And right. Master P, Master T, Tony Master Young T. Okay. used to put everybody on. He's a big reason that this music is still kicking in Toronto. He's Canadian Master T? Well, he's in uh, he's West Indian descent. No, no, no for sure. Okay, uh, I'm just saying he's from out here. I'm, 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 yeah, you don't know Master T? Nah, wow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because wow. at one time it was like hip hop and Master T were synonymous in this country. Like mm-hmm. he's the guy who got it on TV, and he's the guy he used to have like Bounty Killer live rhyming on TV live. Yeah, and, uh, and he, he had everybody, and right. he put everybody on, and he had the show. Extend the mix and he had albums and commercials and everything and it's kind of interesting to me that you don't know who he is i don't because and, that was the I'm guy sure who was on tv multiple know. times a week and i'm pretty sure maybe a lot of people are gonna fake the funk like they know but they don't really know like i don't i know about michael fresh west i know about Carter fish and there's another guy that can't get the name right now but i obviously i know shark claire and snow and those guys but like i mean there's another like those people socrates him no, there's somebody else. Like there's somebody else that was on that smooth type shit. Like Maestro French West was on. Like he, you know, Maestro French was dressed like a player. You know, he's dressed like smooth, like that type of shit. There's another guy like that. I can't remember his name, but um, yeah. So back to the Cypress Hill story. So you said the insane brain. So okay, I didn't know this. And then I did an interview with Be Real, yeah. like um, a few years ago, basically, and, and I was telling him that I was at that show, mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, with Chub Rock. And he yeah. said that, and he told me, he goes, I never really told anybody this. That's where Insane and Brain came from. And if you listen to him rhyme, yeah. he's like, how he goes high and he pumps his voice up. What happened was that night, Ron Nelson was promoting the show, there was like a beef backstage because Chub Rock, East Coast, was highly upset that they were going to put a West Coast, a West Coast Cypress Hill on their first album to close on the show. stage to close the show at the concert hall. Yeah. And that was a big thing, and I guess that stuck with Be Real, and he wrote probably his biggest hit to this day about that night. Yeah. Okay. Um. That's that's that's, that's crazy. Well, that yeah, is, you guys, you kids can't be fooled. Like hip hop's been here forever since before my old ass. Even. Yeah. Like hip hop, there's artists forever been doing this stuff. It, just it was just like yet. small, small events. There was always the radio shows. Like you should talk to DJ Power. You should interview him. Mm-hmm. You should talk to uh, DJ X. And then there was a lot. There was a lot of people playing that. Do you know Mastermind? You ever heard of him? He's on radio now. I don't know what station, but he had like 50 mixed CDs out, and yeah. he was known everywhere. And he put an album out on Virgin that did really well. I think it even went gold. And he was just like a, a he was like a college DJ at that time. Yeah. And now he's on mainstream radio. Yeah. But there's tons of people doing it. It's just that they they were make they were doing the thing, but it's just not glorified and highlighted because everybody just across the board is just looking well, at the bigger stats. People only live yeah. for today. They don't yeah. care what happened before them. Yeah. That's, that's true. Um. So what what are some of the shows you you've been to that like before we let's talk about some of the shows you've been to like that were out here in Toronto. Like. Obviously, you can talk to Big Daddy Kane's, but some people that like some people that like that that people consider like legends. Obviously, Ghetto Boys. I think you, you did. I saw. I don't think the Ghetto Boys have ever played here. I saw okay. the Ghetto Boys in January 1992 
on the greatest rap tour ever in Palace Auburn Hills. That's, oh, that's the, the tour with the NWA? No. Is it? No, they, that was like Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, okay. Queen Latifah, Tribe Called West. You, you that was what it was called. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. And uh, <laughs> leaders of the new school were on it. Everybody. And we, uh, this guy I used to hang with Sam I Am, rest in peace, Sam I Am, he um, called up Rap a lot. He set up this interview. Yeah. And um, we were just kicking it backstage with like, talking to Willie D and Scarface and Bushwick and mm-hmm. you don't really think about it at the time but that's some legendary Legend shit, shit. Yeah, yeah. you know they're playing that was the tour where they're doing mind playing tricks on me mm-hmm. that was the fresh album there we can't be stopped and that's some next level shit yeah yeah um, before we even get into that so your first okay before like when you got like your first thing like working in music was with you got a radio job? Well, I just basically started off like in college, and I started, you know, hey, let me uh, write for the school paper and see what I could do. Yeah. I interviewed Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. For the first Imagine that, yeah. some shit-ass so school that... newspaper. They gave me an interview with Real Prince, one of the top ten actors in the world yeah. now. That's crazy. Um, and I'll never forget Jazzy Jeff said to the label that day, we're not doing any more interviews until you get me some frog legs. Frog legs? I don't know why he wanted them. Like, to eat those? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. But, um, so, like, stuff like that. Like, how did you even put that? To, how did the school put together? Like, who did they call? Like, there was no No, the school had, you know, this. every school's got their newspaper. I don't know if they still do these days. But school has a newspaper. You volunteer. You write for the newspaper. Yeah, but how did they And get, then you make whatever happen happen. How did they make whatever happen happen? Like, how you just you, make the calls. You call the label up. Say, yeah, I'm coming from this school. You know, da, da, can you send us some music? This is when they were, before they were even sending CDs. And then they, you know, then they start sending you vinyl. Then they start sending you CDs, and the CDs come out. Then they start. They saying, just be sending you just because you. Well, to the radio station at the school and the yeah. newspaper, yeah, because they're promoting it and stuff. And then you know, oh, we got so and so coming in for an interview. You want to talk to them, and then you know, you just do interviews. Just and like you that. start, you know, meeting it. these people. And then I parlayed that. You know, I started doing some. I was doing some other magazines. I started independent i did a couple of those and then yeah, we started the first peace. the first mag not nah, but before peace you got you did a magazine with um what's his name what's that guy's name that you did a magazine with that he didn't like is his name joey or something oh joey yeah yeah he didn't like he didn't want well you. no you, you know italian guy from woodbridge total rock dude broke a lot of the big artists in uh, canada nationally on radio yeah you know, he wasn't hearing that stuff. You, so you were trying... You and, were, I, and I was listening to hip-hop. I didn't even propose it to him because I know the answer. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're talking like tragically hip. We're interviewing, you know, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, Motley Crue, this, that, the other. I'm not going to throw some hip-hop in the rock magazine yeah. with the guy from the rock radio station. Yeah. It's not going to fly. Yeah, so... So basically, I just ended up uh, starting, jumping on a train of some other people. And we started a uh, piece. Okay, why did you... Okay... I want to ask you, why did you get fired from the radio station? Like, or you got oh, in trouble? Fuck. What did you, your boy? I don't even want to talk. No, about you don't. That come shit. on, that's that's like literally. How many years ago? Like, what happened? Like, your boy called in and said, "What did he say?" Some racist shit, man. And I didn't. I didn't. Um, basically, I'll tell you what he said. Yeah. Basically, long story short, I was like, we we're in a club, some shit ass club, probably off Steels or whatever. And then uh, I'm on the radio and we're talking to my boy. And then um, Ben Johnson was at the club. The track star, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, wasn't, you know, who was bigger than Ben Johnson in Canada back in the day? Nobody, right? Yeah. So, see Ben Johnson at the club, and I'm like, um, yeah, so we're at the club, this, that, the other. What did you see? He goes, we saw um, Ben Johnson. I go, what was he doing? Oh, he, and he goes, he, he said, this isn't verbatim. He said, oh, yeah, he was talking to some white women or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really handle it properly because yeah. I was just like, but after, after. Man, just him saying. He said something along those lines okay, okay, on the yeah. call-in. Yeah. And then after, you know, they're obviously they're listening to it in the office and yeah, Ray, Ray, Ray and yeah. stuff like that. And then they pulled me aside and they said, yeah, what's up with this that? shit can't go down. That's crazy. And I understand that yeah. completely, but I didn't say it. Yeah. But still, you know, you have to take uh, responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. But that's just crazy because I'm pretty sure back I had another show I'm after that a while. Yeah. Like, it was a suspension. But I didn't have my own show. I did some yeah. fill-ins and stuff. Uh, but then that was that was late 80s. Yeah. Um, I guess even though that, like, stuff like that, that's, um, I'm pretty sure nowadays that, that could fly on radio when they're saying, you know what I mean? But um, I guess that's just back in the day type shit. But, okay. Peace Magazine. Yes. That was your baby. That was what you were involved in. Raymond, like, what was his? Um, right Raymond Walsh, West in Peace, Rest in Peace, yeah. Black Metal. Um, and the next guy, you said it was another guy? This guy, Ken Locke, he started it. Ray and Ken were working at the Scarborough Town Center, HMV. Yeah. It's crazy back there. That was like a hot that, spot that for hip hop in the city. The, even, they, even, even over Young Street, that, like, the Scarborough Town Center was more. Pretty much. Yeah. They, you know, they had a Naughty by Nature autograph session when Naughty by Nature was the shit. They were like yeah. untouchable at that time, and there was a riot in the Scarborough Town Center. Right. Riot in Scarborough Town Center. Like, 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 like shut down. Sh- people were going crazy rushing the store. It was bananas. Yeah? Oh yeah, it was bananas. It was That's incredible. Lit. That's lit. I couldn't find. Yeah, it, it wasn't. You know, Ray's telling me I was like punching people, shutting the door. Said so it was it was crazy. Yeah. That was back in the day. Uh, and then so they, so we started the magazine. Ray and Ken started the magazine. So okay, but sorry, I cut you off. Like back then, working HMV was a big deal. That was like was that like a, a job people wanted to get. Like what do you mean? HMV was that was that like a big deal job? Just well, only if you're a kid, you want yeah. to work it in a record store. Why not work in the record store in the mall? Yeah. So what what made them want to start this magazine? They were just they were just talking about starting a magazine. I had some background in magazine. I knew Ray from back in the day. They called me in. I was about ready to leave the magazine I was doing with Joey, and then I jumped on board. And then I had the hookups, this, that, the other, and uh, we put it out. And it was kind of interesting because the first issue is like, if you really think about who's in the first issue of Peace Magazine now, okay, before okay, it, so it's enormous. You guys put it together. You, you, you put up thirty five hundred. He put up thirty five hundred. Yeah. So back then, thirty five hundred was like, was it? This is like ninety one. What is this? It came out in uh, March ninety two or April ninety two. The first issue. Okay. So, what did you guys do? Like, can you explain to me how you put a magazine together? Yeah, you put. Th- you said you had thirty five hundred. He had thirty five hundred. Yeah, Ken, you got to pay the printer. You got to. didn't put in. I don't think so. No, no, not that okay. I'm aware of. So, you guys gotta pay the printer. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, like how do you register? Like, how do you? How does somebody become? Um, you know, you do the regular stuff with the business. You register a business. business okay. You get a designer. You know, back in the day, it wasn't like on computer. You got to yeah. lay shit out on paper. Yeah. You know, this is kind of the kind of the stuff I learned from the school newspaper, watching how they put that together. So I kind of knew the process. You had to make film, like output film. 
and then you give the printer the film and they like run it on their web press yeah and then they bind it together and they give it to you in boxes you know so that's so that's basically the money you guys use to put the budget together to actually yeah. do the stuff okay yeah and then but you know for the first few issues yeah so how and do you guys market and promote that how pe- people just know put you it out on the street not really you just put it out you start distributing it and just getting it out there on the street, you know. You By the second issue, we were national because Ray worked at HMV. We were, we uh, distributed across the country. HMV, HMV was fucking with you guys. By the second issue, they they they, they said our, our employees and they they did that. So yeah. how does that? Okay. Because Ray was cool with the president Paul Alaf, mm-hmm. and uh, he spoke to him. He said, Yeah, yeah. And then they they just we distributed it. Like okay, we, but when you said on the street, you just put it out there. Just go drop it off at spots that people hang and people oh, okay. go. Like a store, just you hire a around. guy yeah. to drop it off at all the spots you go to. How much you guys selling it for back then? It was free. It's always free. Oh man. Yeah. Man, so you guys, you guys did that for free? You guys just literally put them. That's what's up. So this about the second issue. So it was free HMV too. Yeah. Okay. So all right. So there was no. You guys didn't want to make money off of this. No, you what? make money off advertising, oh, and you give okay, it out for okay. free. Okay. And the record labels really had nowhere to put stuff. Yeah. There was uh, Street Sound had a magazine out, but, you know, they were around in the beginning when we were, and then they moved the whole ship to New York. So then it was kind of basically just us. And there were some other magazines that put stuff out. There yeah. was, uh, what was there, Mike Check. There was uh, a couple in Vancouver, Props. Um, Jay Swing had a magazine, too, on Vancouver. Then there was um, Pound came and Urbanology came. That was a lot later. So, but okay, from your from your for the first print, you guys did you guys already have these relationships? Where you guys you got David Groff of Nirvana? Yeah, guys, the first issue was crazy because we had the Beastie Boys, the Ghetto Boys, and Nirvana in the first issue, like real interviews. Yeah. That how, was like, did, how did that come about? Like just from my background and my meeting people and doing two magazines before that that I had met people and I knew who to call and they just made shit happen. Was I said, that, I'm is, doing is it is it that easy now or is it was it that easy? You could just literally call up the lead just like That's what happened. Word. I don't know about these yeah, days. It sounds like yeah, because email email is the way to go on that. You get you, you get you get blocked in the email. <laughs> yeah, I mean but uh this, so But right now it's not like when we were doing it there was nowhere to put this stuff. Nobody was doing it. Nobody was putting it on TV. Yeah. Nobody, you know, you had much music, so you a little bit on the that new void, music. Yeah. And it was like, who are they going to call? There's, There was nobody doing it. Yeah. So they just gave it to us. So once you got... Nowadays, it's like pop culture and it's kind of like a feeding frenzy from yeah. every which way on media. And then by the time it filters down to the small... You're getting the small little local guys or the small up and coming artists. So, so HMV took it and put it out in all their stores. Pretty much, yeah. And then that they was distributed then, it nationally. And then from there it took off. Second issue. Well, who's in second issue? You can remember. <coughs> TLC. Yeah. And Body Count. TLC and Body Count. So like, how? You know how who Body Count is? Nah, I don't know. What so that is. Body Count. Is a punk metal band, but Ice T's the front man. Okay. You ever heard of Cop oh, Killer? I, okay, he actually did say he, he started with a yeah, group, then he dropped them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did hear that him say that on, on the podcast before. You ever heard of Cop Killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that like was it. it. That yeah. was the album. 
So he, he spoke to you guys about that. So you guys just called. We did the same thing. You just called up. Yeah, you, know, you call up the record label and they're like, yeah, da 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 da. Hook us up and they'll send you like a slide or whatever, and you can get a phone interview. Or if the person's here, you know, they hook you up with the person here. Yeah. You know. Okay. So. So were you you guys are making money off of this by the second issue? Like, was it like was it actually? You know, like, we were like, we weren't in the hole. Yeah, you know, yeah. we weren't. We weren't, we weren't uh, balling out. What type of advertisements like, were you guys getting? Like, because you, just record labels and stuff music, like that. Full pages, half pages, you know. Okay. Uh, Nothing exciting. You guys put, what else is in there? You guys put, like, what, what like sneakers and stuff? That, that came much later. Okay. So we were just doing straight, straight music, music for a long time, many, many years. So, like, when things like, so you guys didn't never cover, like, movies and stuff? It's like, when, like... We did movies in towards the end. Okay, so, like, what times, like, when... Boys in the hood, juice and stuff like when nah, those, nah, those weren't even in them. Yeah, those, those weren't. I got those. Uh, I got this juice box set of all the twelve inches in a juice box. Yeah, that's what's up. But I saw Tupac live. Yeah, Digital Underground, right? Yeah, with Digital Underground at the New Music Seminar in New York. In New Why York. Why did you go there? Obviously, because that was where shit was happening, like, and it was kind of like New York's the mecca for so hip hop. Everybody just allowed to go. You got to pay. What? How? Like, how did that work? Like, you fly to New York, you get a media badge. How did you hear about that? The just—I don't know. It's kind of—I don't remember. But I guess reading about it or whatever, yeah. because there wasn't really like there no, was internet, no internet. Yeah, that's what I'm There's saying. No like, how do you know? Like, to, to just, you just know about stuff. So you people just, talking, and especially when you're in college radio, everybody's talking about new music seminar. Yeah. And then you just—that's where everybody is. So what was that seminar about? Went. Like, what were they doing? Just people performing, or it was just? There's like oh, panels during the day, you know, people talking, like industry people and artists and management, and then there's shows and showcases at night. Mm-hmm. I saw some crazy shit there. Anybody that was there that turned out to be obviously Tupac, but anybody that you ever heard of Pearl Jam? It's a rock band, yeah, I heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just sold out two nights at the Rogers Center or the ACC. Yeah, yeah, I heard of They played, that. like, small bar back then. Tons, tons of bands. I saw Tragically Hip in a small bar in New York. Social Distortion. Just, you know, like I said, Tupac with De La Soul and Live Squad. So, basically, so, by, like, the 10th issue, what was what was, what was happening with Peace? You guys, everybody was had you guys' magazine in their hands? Like, how was that? Work? Plus, it was free, so, like... Like, how did that work? Were you guys in number one magazine? Like, there, was there ever, like, ratings or something? I don't even know if there was another one at the time. Yeah. But it was, like, for free, and it's, like, if you're a young kid and you see a magazine for free and it's got a nice hip-hop artist or an R&B artist on it, yeah. why aren't you going to pick it up? For it's sure. free. So it just caught, you know, just, caught just on, kept yeah. going, kept going, kept mm-hmm. going, kept going, and then it turned good all of a sudden out of the blue. What do you mean turn good? Like how did? What was yeah, good? it was what pretty was raggedy like? in the early years. The magazine it was like newsprint. Oh, actually, you mean the quality of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, just you're sitting there. Their labels are flying you to interview people, and you're getting exclusives for the country. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're talking to Beyonce and Destiny's Child and Nas and in New York and. Yeah, so labels were flying you guys out to come interview you guys, like. Pretty much, yeah. So the, all expenses paid, just... How does that work? 
Like just, just so the magazine like so back in the they, day, so, yeah. it's not like today. The labels were making lots of money, yeah, 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 hundreds yeah, yeah, of thousands true. of dollars. Like records were expensive, and they were selling like some records were shipping like fifty thousand plus, hundred thousand, tens of thousands of records. And they're like, how are they going to promote it? Where are they going to promote it? So you know they're going to give me a little ad, a couple of G here. You know they're going to do some street team stuff. Yeah. You know they're going to do a little TV ad, but they got to get some media on it. So if the artist isn't coming here. You know they're gonna send somebody to talk to them yeah. you know get and do interviews with them so they would send us which really, really was just me in the beginning i just mm-hmm. went by myself word that so what is it what was it like like did you feel like were you you felt how did you feel back then because like, like, you were doing that like that's something that's you're doing stuff that i would love to do you know what i mean like and probably a lot of people love to do like what was it like you're living your dream just being music and just being hip-hop so like by the tenth issue, what was that like? What were you guys? Who were you guys talking to? Like, who were you doing? Like, what labels? I think on the tenth issue, we did. Um, I'm not sure if it's the tenth. Um, Run DMC photo shoot down with the King. We had lunch with Run DMC. In New York over here. Jam Master J. Yeah, in Trinity Bellwood. No, no, in uh, Liberty Village. Okay. In the pool hall. Right. And they were like, "You better bring me another chicken sandwich." Another what? Chicken sandwich. Oh, chicken sandwich. Okay. <laughs> And the African Bada, they brought him up when he was on quality doing We won't go into that stuff. Yeah. He didn't try nothing with me, but he's a big dude. <laughs> but uh, he was talking about space and aliens oh, and yeah. uh, people being monitored. The stuff he spoke about was real deal. He's a seriously smart guy. Yeah. You know, he Zoom just has yeah, uh, yeah. some uh, preferences Demons, yeah, that uh, sure. we don't know, are not to my liking. Um, but so, yeah, like Run DMC, like we would sit with Run DMC. And they would start like rhyming in the middle of the interview and just joking around and hanging out and taking photos and did people that know was who, amazing. Did man. people did people know who was behind the like like did people know that it was you guys behind it like like because okay, he speak about more about rape because like he actually had a name black black metal like people knew him for what like how did he have well he, he was like, into metal heavy metal like yeah me? okay and he was the black guy so they called him black metal okay but black metal is also another he's Jamaican yeah. Black metal is also like a kind of metal, like a evil metal, I guess. I so did people know that it was behind, you guys were behind the magazine, or just it was just no face in it. Like who was doing this? Ray was kind of on the sidelines, to be honest. It was basically me, and you know I was around and doing my thing and acting crazy and mm-hmm. there, but you know I wasn't really like running around with a peace jacket or a peace shirt or anything like yeah. that. I always wanted to know if like that was was that bringing you groupies and stuff like were people just like yo honestly you know my favorite rapper like was there was there I did okay yeah but wasn't like amazing but it was okay okay um so but the, the magazine was profitable you guys definitely and there was no other um, competition was there there was a couple like I said earlier you know other people started up independent magazines but um we were the number one. Um, Peace Magazine. I, I, there's a rumor I want you to clarify. Mm-hmm. Did you guys interview Biggie? That was me. It was you. Was it you that he he did the top? What he named? He ranked. That's it? a real deal. That's good. a real. That's a real story, huh? That's All real. right. So everybody, listen. I don't know if everybody that's knows, because people, a lot of people think it's a rumor. No, it's true. It's it, yeah. In um, fact, there could be a documentary in the works. Oh, you have it on footage. I don't got video of it. We have the audio. Yes, I do. Oh man, it's mastered. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people think it's um, it's okay. Fake. So, 
Biggie came here January 31st, 1995, and he played a show on Young Street. Legendary show. Um, basically, the crowd rushed the stage, grabbed the turntables, everything. It was fucking chaos. Yeah, I, heard, I, heard I didn't go, but it was bananas. And um, long story short, during the day at uh, BMG Music Offices, which is now in the National Film Board building at... Uh, John and Richmond we did this interview with Biggie and I said to him do you want to do a real interview or do you want to do a Rate the Rappers interview because a few months earlier I did a Rate the Rappers interview with House of Pain yeah. and he said the other one let's do the Rate the Rappers interview and there was a lot of people in the room Clark Kent legendary sneakerhead DJ for Biggie at the time yeah, for sure. his manager um, Little C's um, he had a few crew there, definitely. Um, Big C was in the room. Mastermind was in the room. Um, Linden was in the room. Um, rapper HDV was in the room. I think Ice was in the room. There was a bunch of people in the room. There was a lot of people. Yeah. And basically, just shouted out rappers' names. And Big spoke from the heart. What? Yeah. Was he? But he was. Was he high and drunk? No. No, so that's not true. Cause that's not true. E forty said um that he he well when he called when, called Biggie spoke to him on the phone. Biggie said he was high and drunk. After that, he started smoking. Okay, so when he, he was, didn't smoke, he was completely sober when he said pretty much E yeah. forty was a, a zero. And I asked E forty because I like E forty. I'm a big E forty fan. I'm probably yeah. only guy, one of the only guys in Canada who saw E forty live. I saw him in '96 in uh, the Bay Area and that was incredible that was like right after Tupac passed away and it was like Richie Rich and E-40 I think it was at the Gavin or whatever in San Francisco or Oakland it was amazing and I just asked because I was a fan of E-40 and when he said zero I was like whoa yeah you were shocked well I was personally and you know the whole story behind that that's yeah yeah him going to the so that's true that's a fact though well that was told to me by this guy I don't know how to pronounce his last name no no the story is true I heard E-40 say about him um, Biggie being in Sacramento and being at a club and people called him well the story I heard was from the old uh, music director or uh, program director of KMEL Alex M-E-J-I-A I don't know how to pronounce it I'm not Spanish so um he basically told me that um, Big was there or something, and E40. I don't know if you ever seen E40 or his crew, but they're 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 fucking big dudes. They're yeah. all big dudes. Big yeah. is a big dude, but E40s guys, they're huge. And the story is that uh, they surrounded his car, his limo, and they called up E40 and they said, "What do you want us to do?" And he just basically said, "Hand him the phone." And they spoke about it, and um, that's what happened. Yeah. You know, they sorted that out. But uh, yeah, a lot of people, uh, it was kind of surprising because it was like it was never really put online until like 2011. Yeah, so like, because how did that come back out? Because, like, it, it just it, resurfaced on, as far as I know, on this Escobar 300 or 3000 um, blog in 2011 and people are still commenting about it till this day but then it's been uh, off and on on blogs so, and on, you know, but you do have the audio of Biggie saying I do have the audio and it's mastered in fact um, 
It's about 40 minutes long, yes. Well, the interview of him, yeah, it's 40 Well, it's 20 minutes, 22 minutes of him, like, talking about rating rappers. Yeah, and Red then Man, just other yeah. 20, 20 plus minutes of him just talking some other stuff. But, um, yeah, that happened. That's, that's real. Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, you were part of some history. I guess. Well, we did an interview, uh, Cheo Dari Coker. He's actually the guy behind uh, Luke Cage that's coming out on Netflix, and he did Ray Donovan and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He wrote um, the book uh, Notorious yeah. um, for the, and for Vibe, and they had a book that he put out, and he wrote about that, and you know it was kind of like one of the behind-the-scenes yeah. things that instigated the East-West War, but ironically, in the, on the tape, it's all positive about Tupac. Like, yeah, yeah. He, if someone asked him if he, how do you get beats and all that, and he said, he did. If it's Pac, I'm not charging because that's my boy, that's my brother. Yeah. Even in '95, he said this is '95. What was January 9th, 31st '95. Because he, I guess, I heard it. He said about Pac that um, that everybody in the East Coast was fucking with Pac because he, he was recording an album for Above the Rim out there back in the day, and then after he got shot, he went to the West Coast and. He said everybody likes Pac's lyrics, but his beats is whack. Is that what he said? Like, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's some that's some historical shit. So you said you might have a documentary behind that. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, you could. You should definitely like that audio's classic right we'll there. We'll see. We'll see. Um. So after that issue, did people did that did, did like did you actually watch the numbers after that issue? Did did the sales go up? Like did like did people were were you guys in more demand? Cause People know that it's sparked from there because E40 did it. He actually said that it came from a magazine in Canada. You know what I mean? So, did it? We didn't even have big on the cover of that issue. Oh fuck! We had brownstone that? on the cover. We did a photo shoot with brownstone. Why? Because I'm a retard and we didn't do a photo shoot with Biggie. That would have been fuck. You think? Fuck. Are you? That's a regret. Yeah. You know you can't. Can, you know. He, he would have he would have been down to do it. You felt like, of course he was there. Of course he would have yeah. taken photos. Yeah. How what was he like? Cool. Yeah. Ignorant. Everything. He yeah. was like how you would expect him to be. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like when the KFC guy came to deliver, he was like, "How are you? We get penny for you," and he was saying shit like that. Penny. Penny. Oh, okay, you okay. Know, it's just stupid shit like that. And he was trying to get the record company guy, Big C, to smoke blunts. And, and he's like, no, no, not in the boardroom. And then after, a couple of stories after that happened, like um, the president of BMG Music Canada, Bob Jameson at the time, he was really tight with Clive Davis and tight with all these people. Mm-hmm. And the way Big behaved on that trip, got back to Clive. And Clive so reamed out Puffy. So this was in New York or in Toronto? This is in Toronto. So there was an office out here? like Yeah, BMG office. So Clive Davis was out here? No, 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 no. Uh, okay. The guy who ran BMG Music Canada was tight with Clive. Oh, about Biggie and he, smoking and shit? No, yeah. yeah, and he gave the whole report back to Clive. And Clive reamed out Puffy. And then Puffy reamed out Big. And let's just say Big wasn't too happy. Didn't have some fond memories of us. Yeah. And um, a few years later, Big C, who was uh, working at Sony, went to the uh, Undeus uh, release party from when they were launch- launching that label with Will Strickland. And uh, Will Strickland was a big, uh, before he moved to Toronto, he was a big uh, Sony executive. And uh, he was, yo, uh, 
Yo, Anna, let, let me introduce you to my boy, Big C. And he just stopped. He, oh, said, he remembered you? him. He remembered him, yeah. This fucker? And Rivera, if yeah. Will didn't stop it, some shit would have gone down. Word. That was some badass shit. Um, but the, about the Biggie show on... In Young, you said what, what happened? You said that they rushed the turntables? People like, rushed the stage, grabbed the turntables. It was fucking chaos. Like, it was just too much excitement. What? It was just what? It was rocking. Were happened. you there? Oh, you weren't there? I was not there. Okay. Was there any footage? Is there any footage of that? I'm not sure. Was that his only time in Toronto? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, He did some shit in, with Much Music at the pool hall. Yeah, the Rivoli upstairs. Who, who was that guy? The guy who used to be on Much Music back in the day? Who was the guy that interviewed? Was it Michael Williams or was it Oliver? I don't know. I don't know. They were playing pool at the pool mm-hmm. house. Was it a guy with dreads? Nah, he was short hair. Then it was Oliver. Yeah, so what, what, what happened to him? He, he was, I think he works out on my gym. But uh, I think he still works at... Uh, I think he's, he's, uh, I think he's at uh, City TV still doing behind-the-scenes oh, okay, stuff. Okay, okay. But he got, like... That guy got a assassinated by all the viewers man they were they no one liked him well, oh because yeah he did he wasn't he wasn't really hip-hop probably yeah? i don't think so yeah. and he was he was talking to hammer i remember mc hammer mc hammer when hammer was doing kfc commercials like what's up with this dancing for chicken and hammer was like yo everybody likes chicken or something along those lines yeah. but yeah he yeah people didn't really like him yeah I, um so much music back in the day, it, it was big. Right? A lot of artists would, would, that would was come it. through. Yeah, much music, and then the underground artists, like the cool New York guys and all, they would go to CKLN or CIT, and they would just do live shows and freestyle and kick it for the whole afternoon. Yeah, word, man. Um, I'm just happy that that yo, know, you, you you carried a lot of history. I don't know if you know it, but you you're, you're important. I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. I was there, but I wasn't really yeah. hands on. Indirectly. I guess. So, how did the staff work at Peace? How many people would like, like you did the big interview? Would other people do other things that you didn't do? Like, you know, yeah, you know, designers and photographers. No, but you you did all the magazine, all the interviews, basically. Most of them, probably all of them, in the early days. But then I just kind of lost interest as I so lost my mind. Why was Why was Raymond so hands off though? Like he didn't really care to be meeting people like in the music business. Like, just, just didn't care. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, so you got to interview Diddy, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Destiny Child, Aaliyah, Kurt Cobain. Like, how did you like? What are the like? Which one is your favorite interview? And all those people I just named. The best interview of all those that I turned into a book is the Eminem one. I also got a book with the Dr. Yeah, Dre the one music too. Tales. But um. The Eminem interview was crazy. I had met Proof, rest in peace, Proof. Yeah. Um, at Magic, Magic was like a key um, trade show for apparel and clothing, and it's really where all the urban uh, clothing and all these brands sold their lines twice a year. And um, Proof was, um, you know, from Detroit, and they, you know, everybody knows how they had the hip hop shop with Maurice Malone, and that's where Eminem did the movie and this and that. And the yeah. other. It was all based on that. And uh, Proof was working with uh, Maurice Malone, and I met him. We started talking. And he's like, "Yeah, you know Eminem," and I'm like, "No, not really." He goes, "Yeah, he rhymes about me. You know this song?" And here's my name. He says this and this, and he showed me his ID and stuff. So I had met Proof, and then um, okay, you were in Detroit at the time. 
No, no, no. This was in Vegas. Okay. And then um, when Eminem came out, and I'd seen Eminem live in Vegas, but I didn't really know who it was, and he was beside me, and I just, like, whatever is this guy, Ryan? I just... Yeah. It just passed me by. This you is know. In Vegas? What, what were you doing in Vegas at the time? At this trade show. Another one, okay. Yeah, it was the Magic trade show. They had them twice a year. I probably went to like 20 of them. So was, any other, was, was any other rappers over there that you remember? Yeah. Fetch over there? No. Well, FJ560 had his clothing line run by Mr. Brim, okay. one of the original graffiti guys out of New York. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nas was there rhyming, Juvenile, Raekwon, Mob Deep. Um, they just have these parties and just like all these artists just would show up and it was like free to get in. Just because nah, why I, why I say that? Because I remember um, listening to an interview with Fat Joe saying that Eminem told him like he rapped from three times and one of the three times he said Vegas, one time in Detroit. So I'm pretty yeah. sure it was probably at the same convention. Yeah, it was magic for sure. And Fat Joe had that um, clothing line FJ560. He had those amazing leather jackets. Yeah. So. Um, my name is huge, biggest song out on video nonstop, on much music everywhere. So they're like, you want to go to uh, Detroit? And I'm like, yeah, let me go talk to Eminem. So I hooked up with my buddy Matt Sanzala. He's um, in Austin now. And we went to uh, Hash Bash at the uh, University, I think it was the University of Michigan, Diage. And they have this, um, you know, marijuana freedom festival there every year. And then um, the next day, Eminem was playing a rave. It was his, he, he, the album came out, he did a two-week tour of Europe, he came back for a day and he did a welcome back rave with uh, Kevin Saunderson, who's one of the uh, originators of Detroit techno, and uh, Frankie Bones, who's like godfather of New York techno, yeah. and Eminem played, this is when he was with Royce and all that, and. It was like in his asbestos-filled warehouse off Mac Avenue so this is when in he's a downtown star. New York. This is when My Name Is was the only yeah, song so, he had out. So, but he was huge. But it was but still it was like, proof that put you in. That, no, that no, no. The label set Maurice, up that interview, okay, yeah, okay. and then what ended up happening was he was at home, and we were talking to him. And Matt was interviewing him, and I was interviewing. Him. I got a video of it somewhere. I can't find the tape actually. Of Eminem. Of, of that show yeah, okay. and of the interview okay. and um, you know like 10, 12 minutes in he just said I gotta pee like a motherfucking racehorse yeah. and he left and that was it then he went on stage the next week like 5-6 days later he had a show at the Opera House Eminem his first show ever in Toronto and um, didn't really finish the interview I wanted Matt to finish it they're like this guy's here in person I'm not putting you on your phone who's in your boy's on the phone in Chicago. I think yeah. that's where Matt was at the time. Matt was upset. And I was like, what am I going to do? It's out of my hands. So then I sat down for lunch in some three-star restaurant. And we're talking to Eminem and Proof. And he was just going off. And they were comfortable with me mm-hmm. because I had known Proof, Proof for a yeah. while. I'm not saying I was tight with him or whatever. Yeah, but it's familiar. Saying, yeah. hey, what's up? But um, it was a really good interview. And Eminem was talking some crazy shit about his baby mom. And he was going deep into his Oh, lyrics. yeah. And then, after the interview, Proof goes, yo, let me talk to you about something. What's up? He goes, can you get us some E? And I'm like, that's not really my corner. Yeah, yo, weed. To- you smoke weed? No, 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 no. Do I smoke 
That's a good question. Oh, you do? Okay. We'll leave that alone. Okay. But, um... I'm trying to figure out how to get this guy E. So I end up calling this guy, you know. This guy was, like... He had, like, at the time... His name was Robin. He had, like, a booze can. It's right above where a weed store is now, actually. And it was, there was a place up behind the eight balls on the top floor. Like, he had surveillance, elevators, this, that, the other. Yeah. He was, like, starting to run a porn company. He was selling, like, coke. And he had bags of weed like this and all this type of shit. I'm like, how do I um get E? Yeah. And he, like, hooks me up with this guy. So me and my boy running around. And we got some E. And then um, we showed up back to Eminem. And um, he was staying at the Primrose Hotel. It was appreciated, huh? And uh, the Primrose Hotel is on the corner of, uh, you know, right across the street from Maple Leaf Gardens. Okay. And uh, guess what? You know what room he was in? No. 911. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I can't even make this shit up. So, knock on the door, proof and Eminem come to the door. They go, What do you got? And we're like, me and my boy Gavin, they're like, E. He goes, what is it? I go, I don't know. The guy just told me it's pure MDMA. Yeah. And then him and Proof look at each other, and they each take two, and they just went right down the, right down the hatch. Yeah. First song, Eminem staged over at the Opera House. Crazy shit. Toronto history. It was crazy. 1999. I think it was April 10th. It was already packed. People, he already had a okay because Detroit's kind of close here. He already had a fan base, a crazy fan base here. No, it was just like he he had the number one song. It was on TV nonstop. Okay. My name is. It was the My hottest name is. Yeah. It was like every, all everybody was talking about. Yeah. And then he played the Opera House, a small venue, and yeah, that's what happened. He went. He went off. Yeah. That's some, so. Um. So it's something like that. You made you made a book about the interview, or how did you work? How did that well, there was the two interviews. The one we did in Detroit. The one I did in Toronto. Yeah. And then back in the days when the label had money, D12 came out, and uh, Eminem was filming Eight Miles, so he wasn't around. But they flew us in a private plane to go oh, interview. Interscope. Uh, Universal Music Canada. Okay. To. Uh, Detroit, and then we went to uh, this hotel in the suburbs, and you too was staying in the same hotel. Yeah. Because we saw them walking back and forth, and we were waiting, and we were drinking Heineken's talking, and it was me, the photographer, and I took this guy who used to work with us, and um, we interviewed D12, did a photo shoot in the, in, the, in the stairwell of the hotel, this, that, the other, and um, that's in the book too, so that kind of like brings it all together. Um, so basically how do you so the book so basically because you just basically tell about your basically your experience doing the interviews and how the well show you know was. like a long time ago 1997 did this interview with a mugs from Cypress Hill yeah and um, he had the album Soul Assassins um, chapter one come out great album his uh, first uh, compilation that was really cool yeah. And we did a cover story, and uh, we, were, you know, when he picked me up, we drove her at the hotel. We went to the studio in downtown LA. You know, we, we went out for a snack, this, that, the other. We hung out, and then I did the interview. I ran it, I printed it, shipped it out, and then 
I was back in LA to do an interview with Scarface, probably yeah. one of my favorite rappers. And um, he was putting out, um, I think the album's called Unbelievable, Un- Untouchable. Okay. Phenomenal album. He was putting out Untouchable. So I called up Muggs and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I got copies of the magazine. And he drove down and he read it in front of me and he said, yo, you, you put exactly what I said. Yeah. And I'm like, doesn't everybody do that? Yeah. Because up until then, I thought that everybody just... So people edit out... What, whatever yeah. they talk about is real. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't really thinking about ulterior motives mm-hmm. or people, you know, doing interviews to suit a thing or yeah. paint a picture that they wanted that really wasn't about what the artist had to say. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. So, like, I did, that's why I did a lot of uh, question and answer interviews because it's not really about me. No one gives a fuck what I got to say. They still don't. Yeah. Even more so these days. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what the artist says, it's really all about what the artist has to say. So I just run the Q&As and I frame it and I tell the stories and I kind of paint the picture of what was going on at that time, during that time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I have these interviews. So I have like an NWA book and it's got uh, two interviews I did with Dr. Dre. Yeah. One interview, uh, like three interviews I did with Ice Cube, a couple interviews I did with uh, Westside Connection, interview with DJ Yella, and a uh, big interview I did in October 2006 with uh, uh, Jerry Heller's house. And Rest in peace, he just died. Yeah, I've been, to be honest, I've been upset about that personally. And yeah. I didn't really know him well, but I knew him, and we had talked recently. We had a long conversation, and, and we were in touch on Facebook. He was looking frail and all that, but I was just really upset when he passed away. And I was thinking about it today. He's such a like good resource to talk about that time. And it's kind of like Straight Outta Compton movie took a lot out of him because of the way they painted him, and that wasn't really what he was. Are you, but see, as far as that, everybody did, he, has, did they sign shit record deals? Everybody, yeah. yes. But, but yeah, obviously he played Chase. He, he did the thing that everybody was doing back in the day was was basically ripping people off, but. For you, I don't know. For you to say, I wasn't I, there. I, and I never saw exactly, the contracts. Exactly. You know what I mean? But, but like he said, no one ever sued him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but the, before that, he was a big agent. Like he's the first guy to bring Elton John to North mm-hmm. America. He managed Marvin Gaye. So the movie basically, in the movie, they painted him like he was washed up. Was he washed up at the time when he met N.W.A.? Yeah. He was? Like, he wasn't getting he no He still gigs. had money, but he, apparently he was living at his parents. So that's what I've read. Okay. I don't know if that's true, but he was living at his parents. He was down. He was in a transitional period, but he still had a big name. He was still one of the biggest agents around. He was the first guy to hire Irving Azoff. Irving Azoff actually gave the eulogy at his funeral on Tuesday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sad thing. Um, passing. So... Classic things like that. So the NWA book. So where is it on sale? Where can people find this? We got print copies available. You know, you can order them on Amazon. They're available. All the online booksellers. You can order print or digital copies. Um. So the the Eminem footage you got. Nobody else has seen that but you. Basically, and people around you and shit. Like it's not on internet, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I don't even know yeah. where that tape is, but I got it somewhere. You need to do something with that. That's I that's. Find that. Yeah. No, that's unreleased. I'm pretty sure yeah, that was when he was like in his darkest times. He's probably really talking that shit. You know, well, what that mean? was yeah, that was like April fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Um. 
But so it's called Behind the Music Tales. It, it, That's the name of the series. Okay. But right now I got oh, three print books: uh, N.W.A. The Aftermath, uh, The Real Eminem, Broke City Trash Rapper, and uh, Destiny's Child: The Writing on the Wall. But I got two more books coming out with this month, hopefully. One's called uh, New York State of Mind 1.0, where I have 1992 and 1993 interviews with uh, Intelligent Hoodlum, also known as Tragedy Gaddafi, came okay. to my house. Oh, the tragedy that put on Nori and, and all those guys. Okay. And uh, that's a really good interview. And we have Brand Nubian, when they did In God We Trust, right after they split with uh, Grand Poobah. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Pete Rock and CL Smooth when... Uh, Mech and the Soul Brother was an advanced tape. It wasn't even out yet. Yeah. And that's, that's that book. And then I got another book, which I just finished. It's got people looking at it to get their opinions. It's called The Reasonings of Buja Banton, Bounty Killer, and Sizzla. What's that about? Practices, principles, reasonings of... Just you, your studies of them? or, or you no, have, you have... Those are th- with three interviews, three in-person oh, okay, interviews. So okay. interview with Buju um, in... Um, the last week of December 2002 or 2003 in his compound, Axum Gargamel Studios. Interview with Bounty Killer in the summer of 2002, uh, right after he played the Super Bowl with uh, No Doubt and Hey Baby. And interview with Sizzla in December 2005 in Toronto, but the photos for Sizzla were taken two years earlier at uh, Judgment Yard in uh, Kingston, Jamaica's compound. Uh, you went over there? Yeah, I've been in Jamaica tons of times, a lot of times. No, that was that was something you went out of your own budget and did? or Of course, was... man. No one's paying for reggae <laughs> stuff. Got a few trips <laughs> to New York for reggae, but yeah, I just went, I used to go to Jamaica for Christmas. Okay. It's amazing. Um, Best parties. And the artists in Jamaica, there's no VIP sections. You've been around the world and stuff, so been, where have you been? Africa, Asia, Australia. Were these working, or this is just both leisure? combination? So how, like, when you went to Nigeria, how was that like? I went for forty-eight hours two, two days, to Nigeria. Okay. okay. It well, took twenty-four hours from when I left my room at home to get to my room in Abuja. Why is that? And then I watched some Nollywood. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that shit. You like those Nigerian movies? Do you and your mom watch that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know all about that shit, man. It's yeah. like uh, eight <laughs> years of soap operas in half hour. Uh, yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of fake drama. Yeah, and some voodoo. I love that shit. But um, what was it like out there? What did you go on business? Like, so how yeah, was that? that was a trip. Don't invest. Don't donate money to Africa. Why you say that? Invest in it. Micro commerce. That's what the person who. Uh, foot the bill for the trip did it was this media baron who ran uh, this day which is a big newspaper media company out there and um he had some events and he was he brought in journalists from the u.s from england i was the only one from canada a friend of mine was putting the trip together and um it was crazy they just like erected this place and did concerts so the first night in concert and I'm video I'm up there with my flip video no one's saying shit yeah Rihanna Jay-Z and Usher and then the next night we went to uh, Lagos Lagos yeah Lagos 
and uh, I didn't see any traffic lights there. That's yeah, yeah, dangerous. I remember I get in my that's room, dangerous. and there's this <laughs> sign that says, "If someone comes to pick you up and you're not expecting them, don't go." Real shit. And we had dudes rolling around with AKs with it, us it gets, at yeah, all it gets, times. It gets, man. it gets real. It gets very yeah, it's real. real. So um, <laughs> I'm sitting at a table. They, this guy flew in everybody. Alec Wack. Uh, I'm saying it's the media baron from where is he from? From Nigeria? Yeah, but I don't okay, know what part. It's a big sure country. They get that he, he has an unlimited yeah. budget. Oh, yeah, dude, sure. he 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 had to shift everybody from Abuja to Lagos, and he just got a plane. Yeah, for sure. Here's the plane. It's light. So like I'm sitting here at this table, hanging out with Tyson Beckford, and Naomi Campbell's there, and someone called her. When she got off the phone, she was pissed. Who gave that person my number? And she was losing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was a so crazy you were trip. There. And then the, yeah, and the second and the second show night, they had um, Chris Brown, Mary J. Blige, and Fat Joe. And while Fat Joe, because the show was running behind schedule, at the same time as the Fat Joe show, on the same stage, yeah. they had an Oswald Boateng. From Ghana, this big clothing designer, fashion yeah. designer, fashion show. At the same time as Big Joe's, oh, rapping. Okay. During at the same, it was amazing. Where? So you were there just as um. So basically, you were there as for peace, as peace. Yeah. Okay. So this is two thousand. So how long? That was two thousand and nine. Oh, two thousand and eight. Two thousand and eight. July two thousand and eight. So peace is still going right now. Like not really. No. So how does? But you still get your media passes and stuff. And not really. I don't really want to go out anyways. Okay. So how did that two thousand nine? That when you went to Nigeria. Two thousand eight. We were still doing the mag then. Okay, it was out still in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when did you officially like stop peace? The last issues of print were in the end of two thousand and nine, like October two thousand and nine. But with the first were in ninety two. It was mm-hmm. a long So it was a seventeen year run. run. It was a long run. So in the early two thousand did did the Hard Knock Life Tour come to Toronto? Yeah. It did you went to that? Yeah. Okay. Did you get you were you didn't do any interviews with those people though? I've interviewed I was supposed to interview Jay Z. I've met Jay Z about five, six times. I was supposed to interview Jay Z. We all went to Buffalo for the Hard Knock Life Tour to do media. Like, they took, like, a bus or whatever, Universal, and they bust a bunch of us over. And we interviewed, like, Ja Rule was there, and, you know, everybody was on that tour. Yeah. And I did this interview with DMX. And Adam going wild. Like, he was frothing <laughs> at the mouth. And, like, because I was asking him about that um, altercation he had with Chris Lady, and I was pressing him on Yeah. Because, dog, that's what happened. Ray, Ray, and, you know, he, he's DMX, you know. Yeah. Amped know, up. The guy, yeah, he's DMX. And uh, after that interview, they canceled my Jay Z interview. Why? Because it was because I had DMX going wild. And they didn't yeah. want me to ask Jay Z some crazy ass questions. Oh, so people picked like, wh- like who canceled it? The international guy, Haytham, for the for uh, for Universal. So how? So people caught on because internet was there at that time but it wasn't like it wasn't even that it was just like he he was there for my dmx interview. oh he saw it yeah he saw it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> x was really wild like that he was pretty yeah yeah where you have that audio or is that just uh i can't find that one come on man i have another interview did with dmx when he was here filming exit wounds yeah and steve seagal walked on in the middle and then we even did a photo shoot with dmx the next day so they had dmx Staying on Maitland in a house in the middle of the gay village. Yeah. And he had his pit bulls and his family and this, that, <laughs> and the other. 
And uh, we went to meet him there, and then we went to the photo shoot at the docks. And um, DMX was playing with our photographer. They were playing, like, Frisbee golf or some shit. Yeah. And DMX kept changing the rules because they were gambling, and this guy paid him off. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Um, but he gave us a lot of time. Yeah. And he was really cool, DMX. Well, that was, he, he was... He was sober back then, like that was uh, his, well, his best, or was he? Like, another infamous Toronto story is that he went to Regent to, to cop. Oh uh, yes, he went to Regent. That's cop. true. So you were you were? As far, I wasn't there. Okay. But as far as I know, the story is he went to Regent to cop. The OGs at the time didn't like it because he was sending a bad message for the kids. Yeah. And apparently, they robbed him. Okay. But uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know. That's did the you story. ever speak to him about that? Or, or no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but he used to hang out. He used to hang out, and he used to go to all the clubs and talk yeah. to everybody and this and that and the other. Like he was cool, you know what I mean? He wasn't. Yeah. I'm VIP. Ain't going. Yeah, to he, 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 he was out here in Toronto. I heard did Jarrell get an altercation out here in Toronto when I was young. I remember. Jarrell so. came to my house and then we hung. Yeah. Ja Rule filmed the movie here. I don't know about any altercation. Yeah, okay. I never heard about that. But Ja Rule filmed the movie here. I think it was called. Bait with uh, Jamie Foxx. Okay. So when like all these people like like Ice Cube, you've, you've interviewed him numerous times. Um, some of these people when you've seen them numerous times, do they remember you? Like when they see you, like they remember you? Oh, I remember you from that interview. Guru like, and I were really cool. I remember one time we were in Vegas. Young Guru, or g- gangster Guru. Gangster Guru. Okay. And um, we were just like rolling around at Vegas for at the trade show, and we were just and we were like, okay, we're gonna go to this party, man. So my boys like, yeah, let's um, I think we're gonna get a limo because there's like seven, eight of us, and limos like sixty bucks. Yeah. So rather than taking a bunch of taxis, we we're just gonna mm-hmm. get one limo. And Guru's like, yo, he sees me outside. I'm just gonna roll with you guys. Yeah. And he just like hopped in the limo with us, and he started rhyming. Yeah. And all my boys all shit their pants. <laughs> fucking he was Guru's going, yeah, exactly. The fucking limo for you. So it's like. So, what I I gotta give you credit because what? How did you know that content and stuff would be so so big? Like how? Like you had like look at the CDs I'm looking at right now. Like you had the CDs. I didn't. I'm just a hoarder. Yeah. Like what? what you just <laughs> yeah. You are like so. You have what's in your archives? Like what do you? Everything, man. I have all my interviews. Like 98 percent of the interviews I've done, I have the audio. So that's what I'm making this book series out. How, how you? I think you actually you have some you have a lot of stuff here that's some classic stuff that people would die like literally people around the world would literally die to hear or die to read. How do you go about promoting this to do you just you want to just whoever finds it finds it or you or you want it to be as big as it can be? Well you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You no, just for gotta sure. do it one step at a time. I got my behind the music tell site and um, just buy little ads here and there on Facebook. Mm-hmm took a Facebook master's marketing nah, because course. I just feel like the content you have is, is some powerful yeah, it'll, it'll shit. happen over yeah, time you yeah. know but it's you know it's a little slower than I thought it would happen mm-hmm. but you know it'll happen you should um, do you have any video content or is it just audio? I got some video content nothing really crazy because you could like like look at all but yeah you can't do the video content because you don't own their likeness okay okay you know okay. what I mean like you have to get consent and all that stuff but I own the audio yeah I could do what I want with that Okay, and then just do like a little pay. Okay, yeah, you could definitely, man. Because honestly, look at all those like hard knock life tour volume. You actually have a lot of shit that, like the Eminem thing. I know everybody'd want to hear the DMX thing. I know everybody'd want to hear, like these are the these are the greats, and, and this is when they're in their prime and their peak. You know, so that's that, that's some dope shit. Yeah, remember we we did uh, Outcast came here and played like 
nobody. There was there was a couple hundred people. And nobody even came, eh? I think. What year was this? When the second album came out, right when it came out. They didn't have a fan base out here. Not really, no. Oh, Everybody, Toronto's always been, or East was Coast, always about New York. all New York. That's Lyric. it. That's it. The influence, yeah. Yeah. Like those shows would be packed. Like Jay Rue the Damager come through, lock off. You can't even get in the building. Yeah. Outcast is a different situation. Um. Like I remember, I had to just drive to Buffalo or Detroit or Rochester to go buy CDs because they wouldn't even have the CDs I wanted here. Out of all the people you you interviewed, like, like when Wu Tang first came out, yeah, that shit was the an Wu, import. The, the was out Thirty here like six that? chambers was an import. You couldn't get in Toronto. And then it came out domestic on uh, BMG. Yeah, it was an import when it first came out. Was it like stores like Sam? I swear, like a Sam Goodies. They have. They had I don't them. know. Um, Wu Tang. So, okay, you said you met Jay Z a couple times. Where, like, where are you doing this stuff? Like, just for peace? Like, I, just, I met Jay Z a bunch of times, but you know, whatever. He's just whatever. Just a dude. Um, no cool to me, nigga. I'm not really the big Jay-Z fan, to oh, be really? honest. I rate him. He's very talented, yeah. but he's not, like, in my top ten or anything who, who's like that. Your, who would you say your top five is? Scarface. I don't know. Just Easy. e Where? I say yo. Like, Outcast a lot. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. You fuck with 50 Cent? You like 50 Cent? You're, yeah, 50 you Cent was great. Have I ever met him? No, I never met him. Okay. But he filmed this movie down yeah, the street from my spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as, like, I read that you have ADHD. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem fine to me. Like, how, like, how does that, like, what does that mean? Like, you're diagnosed with, like, how, Well, that's because I'm meds. So if you're not a med, you'll just be energetic and just off the wall? Because like, you said that it hindered what you were doing. Yeah, definitely. How would that? Like, how did it stop you from? I was always fidgety and shit, and oh, wow. always interrupting people and saying outlandish shit. Just you know, randomly. You know, or? you know, you have a filter yeah. when you think some fuckery. Yeah. And then you say, "I can't say that." I would say it. Yeah. Like I once asked a group if they ever ate ass in an interview. <laughs> Back, wait, when was this? Like, how long ago was this? Like, oh, 10, 15 years. Oh, yeah, back then. Because he asked back then? Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> like, just, just like, in an interview. Like, just yeah, ask crazy questions. And that's kind of like, it was like kind of like a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people don't fuck with me now because of to this day. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you're too raw at, at, at points. Basically, yeah. So when did you figure out? So for when my son was born, I started. I got to take no, care. Okay, so all the time when you were doing all that shit with Biggie and shit, you were off no meds. You yeah, but it got it got progressively worse towards the end of the magazine. Like I was just no. So I'm saying, oh, you just I was in bad shape. Yeah, I was still doing it, but it was like there was no rhyme or reason or method to the madness. It yeah. was just like a whirlwind. Were of you activity. offending artists and stuff, or like you? Were I've just... offended some artists, but I wouldn't say in general. More like people at the record label, I would flip out on them or just like make some rude comments yeah. or just like act outlandish or whatever or have too much to drink or too much to smoke and mm-hmm. you know ADHD and what you something else it was, it no was, that's it I thought it was some pee something else okay so just all you have to do is take your meds is that what stopped you from really like going really hard at this like cause I would feel like no I just I was just like like the business could have been a lot tighter but it mm-hmm. was just like 
I was just flying by the seat of my pants, like one day at a time, you know. No, because I just feel like honestly, like with what you did, like I don't like the the history you have is rich, you know what I mean? Like I don't think there's anybody else in Canada besides Much Music that has the type of like revolt that and you. And they have. don't own it. Much Music owns it, but yeah, the, but the interviewers person, yeah, don't exactly. own it. Yeah. So it's like. I definitely have a valuable archive. Yeah, you very. Know, now it's just gotta very, find the right thing like, to do yeah. with it. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like peace should be out because. To be honest, if not for like the whole Biggie thing and all that, I, I probably wouldn't know about peace. You know what I mean? So it's because of that, I did my research to find out and everything. So like, I don't like, I've never heard anybody tell me about this magazine, but it, but it seems like a magazine that was pushing. We had like three hundred thousand readers. So what I'm saying. So how like to, it, to me, it just seems like this is like this should be like a Canadian hip hop bible. Like I, what, I don't know about that. I, there's no I, there's no other shit out here like. There was other people doing their magazine, other people documenting it, but it just wasn't as, I guess, cutting edge mm-hmm. as what we were doing. I guess that was because of the ADHD, because I wouldn't give a fuck what I asked people. <laughs> like, I asked some real deal questions. Like I'm on the phone with Dr. Dre, like saying people are, you know, people are calling you gay. Yeah. I'm talking to Bobby Brown to his face. Half the people in the world think you're a crackhead. Yeah. To his face. What did he say? He was laughing. <laughs> was he? But he answered it. Yeah, what did he say? He said, they don't really know me, and I can wipe the smile off their face really quick. What year was this? Because I actually read Bobby Brown's book. That book's crazy. When he did uh, the Forever album. When he was first with Whitney and all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> say, but, yeah. like, I, I ask any, like, I ask some really wild questions. I'll tell you that. Yeah. That's for a fact. Like, I, like, Eminem, like, we were talking to Eminem, and, I, and he was telling the whole story how he did the song about killing his baby mom and all yeah. that. And then I go, What are relations like now? And he's like, da, 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 You know, relations, I don't really want to talk about private life, this and that. So I go to Eminem. So you're still hitting it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they love that shit. Yeah. Like, him and Proof were, like, going wild because he was. Yeah. But it's like, Normal people yeah. wouldn't say that shit, no, but I don't give sure. a fuck, and yeah, I had no filter, care. and I was ignorant. But that's that's that, but that's, it just that's is what, what it is. That's you know what made it a blessing and a curse. It is for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they, those that respect it, respect it, and that's what. Yeah. And that's what real fans want to know. They want to know the, the nitty gritty, anyway. Anyway, you know yeah. what I mean. Um. So what's next for you, man? What's in store, man? What? How, the, obviously, behind the music tales is here. Everybody, go check that out. Like, um, what else can? What can people? Yo, because to me, honestly, man, like, I don't know if you know it, but, yo, I don't know anybody with as much, maybe, I don't know, I'm not that with, that well plugged in, but I don't know anybody with as much history as you know that I can actually talk to. There's with. definitely a lot of people I can connect you with that know even more than me and can speak better on it. For sure. Doubt, more eloquent. Yeah, but you know but, what I mean? But, you know, they weren't as wild and... Hands-on. Well, hand, I mean, some of them were hands-on, just, I don't know, unpredictable, I don't know. I got another story. I just thought about telling that was a ridiculous story. So we're in um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we're interviewing uh, Master P, Snoop Dogg when he first came over to No Limit, okay. C Murder, Silk the Shocker, you know the No Limit crew. Master P shit was ripping that at the time, and um, we're in the elevator. And I'm not going to name this person because he still does stuff. And we're um, in the elevator, me and my boy Russ and the guy who said it, Master P and one of his security guards. You know, Master P was like heavy up on Forbes then, yeah. just killing it. And uh, 
where are we going to do the interview? Where are we going to do the P interview? And then all of a sudden this guy goes, Ah, we can do it in my room as long as nobody steals anything. Well, forget, forget Master P's rich as fuck, yeah. And I'm like, he Master P was like the only guy that he didn't know. So I'm assuming he was referencing Master P, but I was like, you could hear a pin drop. Me and my boy just looked at each other and just went, whoa. Yeah, some racist shit. I don't know. That's I don't prejudice, know. thinking that, like, because oh, he, he probably got a do-rag on, a chain on. He's like, what's he, he going to steal? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But shit like that doesn't even what did, cross What did Master mind. P say? Like, whatever. Man's a man. But whatever. Master P didn't say shit. He's a G. He doesn't say nothing. Yeah, he didn't care. What's he going to say? But I'm sure he, the fuck I'm sure up, he, I'm sure he thought about it. There was another time Master P came to uh, Canada. He had those two security guards who were like in WCW wrestlers. Those guys were fucking ginormous. Oh my god, he was rolling with them in Little Romeo. Um, yeah. So like I was saying, like, do you have any relationships with any of these people that still like, or you just like, business was business, or like, because like I would feel like certain people when they interview over and over again, like Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, those type of, and it was like the Ice Cube. I seen you like you met him numerous times, like. The whole time. Probably wouldn't remember me if I was standing beside him. Oh, worry. Hey, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So you feel just Guru? Guru is the only person you really fuck with? There's a couple more, but, you know, there's nothing, you know, like certain people, like, what's his name, 3000s. When I seen him a couple times, he's like, you'll remember you, or this or that or the other, you know, Cypress Hill, guys like that. Not really Cypress Hill, but more like Estevan, Mr. Cartoon, you know, yeah. guys like that. But not really, like, I don't really, like, myself out there like that it's that's you know i'm not really that guy word man honestly i don't to me you did a lot of shit because me personally and myself i love my life you know what i mean but if i always could come back i, I tell myself i'd come back in like 79 77 to be born then to live like the 90s early 80s anything like that's when like as me as a black man like that's when we like were really starting to come out come of age feel ourselves like you know things were happening for us you know what i mean that weren't happening before like i like michael jordan all these things happened michael jackson i like, got a pound from michael jordan once yeah like a dap yeah I, he would do that to you though no nah, he wouldn't do that to me no it was, <laughs> no no it was like a weird situation yeah, it was a weird uh this is where i was it was at uh the all-star game in atlanta it was the last game and me and my boy uh, Dalton, he's a writer, Dalton Higgins, hustler now. And uh, we're just like looking at the board. Oh, yeah, this media got to prove this, that, the other. And we're just like behind the scenes in the Phillips Arena. And all of a sudden I look, and like the whole East Coast All Star team walks single yeah. file yeah. behind us. Like from like, they were like right there at that wall. And we were right here, and I'm just like, just like looking in awe, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just like Dalton. I was like, like a commercial or some shit. It was like surreal. And the last guy was Jordan. Yeah. And I go, yo, respect, man, respect. And he's like, huh? What? What? Because you know, you hear all the yeah, stories. Yeah. He's a bad man. Yeah. I go, respect, respect. He's like, all right, all right. And he came up and gave me a yeah. dab. My boy's he, like, yo, never wash that hand. He, he, I see that. He probably that. tried to translate what respect. But whatever. Man. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, uh, thought was like, yeah, he didn't know you don't know, work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> for no reason. You know what I mean? But whatever. But yeah, man. But um, honestly, man, I just want to say I appreciate you for coming through. Because I appreciate the opportunity to man, uh, you, speak to you. Yo, you have a lot of history that you did a lot of filling in for me that I didn't know about, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that. Because this is the thing that everybody loves, you know. What I mean, hip hop culture. Like I said, like I would love to be born in the time experience or some of the stuff you experienced. You know what I mean? Because, like, I didn't. 
get to grow up like and watch Fresh Prince when it was live on TV. You know what I mean? I didn't get to watch any of that shit that basically shaped everything. I didn't get to be, I wasn't out when, I was a kid, you know what I mean, when Malcolm X did certain things that really changed people's perspectives on things. So like, to me, like that was like the most important time that, because we're living through them now, like, you know what I mean? So like, I would always love to see that. So you definitely feel in a lot of shit for me. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you for coming through, man. Anytime you want to come back, you can come back. And behind the music tales, let everybody know where they can get in and get anything. Cops, your shit, whatever you got. Because you have some shit, man. Just behindthemusictales.com. And um, the New York State of Mind book, when it comes out, it's going to be free for all. And uh, that's it. Those books are out now. A bunch more to follow. Dozens more to follow. Hopefully this documentary gets sorted properly, and uh, we'll see what happens. My main job, though, is to uh, take care of my son. That's what's up, and, man. Uh, make sure he doesn't get reds at school. <laughs> Thanks, man. Harris Rosen, man. Y'all, everybody, pay respects. And do your homework, man. Understand that this shit was rocking out here in Canada a long time ago. You know what I mean? Slow. Help us get it together. You know what I mean? Anybody, any artist you, you listen to? You listen to any Canadian artists right now? Like, do you think... You, or you just you just really just focus on being a dad. You know, you don't really care about the music. I listen to stuff, but just different stuff all the time. All yeah. the time, you know. I, I like Tory Lanez a lot. Okay. I seen him four times live. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's he great. We saw him downstairs yeah. at the Drake. Saw him a couple of times at the Hoxton. Saw him at that festival at uh, Fort York. Mm-hmm. Saw him at uh, what's that other place called? The Danforth Music Hall. And that mm-hmm. kid's. That guy's super talented, yeah. man. That guy can really nah, he, do it. Yeah, he, he's got he knows how to you got a pen game and he knows how to rock a show for yeah. sure. But the funny thing is, his management is in Austin. Mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he has a lot of stuff there, but uh, mm-hmm. very talented artist. Okay. As far as the Toronto artists are concerned. Yeah. Um one last thing I just want to ask you. Why do you think that our artists haven't really caught up yet? Like, you know what I mean? Our music hasn't got on to where it needs to be because honestly we have Drake he's the biggest rapper in the world probably one of the biggest artists in the world if not the biggest artist so that's just a one of one you know what I mean but we have so much talent here like that's the thing so how do you see those guys sculpted Drake like the like when Drake Drake came up like I heard about Drake rapping like Mm -hmm. before comeback season this that the other and then, then uh, that other girl on the show, Andrea Lewis, she was doing her music at the same time. And it was just like two kids from Degrassi doing their stuff. And Drake was working with Oliver, and Oliver used to work at this clothing store called Lounge, which is uh, in uh, Queen and John. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really small store. It's like a shawarma place now or whatever. And those guys like meticulously crafted him. To be a hip-hop. No, no, like the whole, like, Oliver did like his whole his image and his yeah. vibe and the whole way he manifests mm-hmm. and this and that but Drake's super talented and a super yeah. smart kid you know a lot of a lot of people to me I give a lot of credit to his father mm-hmm. and his family that he grew up in because his father and his uncles are legends yeah like one of his uncles I think his name's what Aubrey Graham right yeah Ozzy uh, yeah. have you ever heard of Larry Graham yeah I've heard of So him Larry play. Graham's his uncle. Larry Graham played bass. He had a, he played with Sly and the Family Stone. He had a, his own band called Graham Central Station. And there's a song, The Jam. That song is over the top. Amazing. And his uncle and his dad, I think his dad was a drummer, I'm not sure. 
played with like Teeny Hodges and stuff and in bands like that. Now Teeny Hodges, who was like one of the influences on Drake growing up, he passed away, rest in peace Teeny Hodges. He was like Al Green's band. Like yeah. Love and Happiness and all that. Yeah. Those are like timeless classics. Yeah. Like the whole stack sound. That's his family. Yeah. So he grew up there. But he also grew up in Forest Hill. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, I guess, don't understand or don't rate or don't know the depth of the side of his father's family. And that whole soul, real soul, not bullshit. And his uncle Larry Graham, who was one of the original funk bass players and a legend on his own. And I've always said that I wanted to hear like I want to hear like an album with Drake playing with like Larry Graham and and his dad and his dad's crew and all that. I always want to hear like an organic album like yeah. that, but everybody says I'm a fool for that. But he, to me, that was a main reason yeah. why he has a head up on everybody because he grew up with that mindset. Mm-hmm. And he also had that whole Forest Hill preference yeah. of Bel Air vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he kind of like, yeah, and then an together, Oliver yeah. came in and Oliver kind of really smart kid and he he had the whole fashion and the image and this and that and the other and drake always had lyrics for days and he could always rhyme and flow so it just happened you know what i mean he just met through he was in my boy's barbershop yeah that day that little wayne called and said i got that ticket for you right you know what i mean so that's it so you just feel that he just had everything was lined up in place for him well we need anybody listening we need you to go fuck with the rest of our Canadian artists, man, we can't, we can't be. There's a lot of un. We can't be in this. There's deep a in lot the soil. of people who have never been heard. Yeah. Who disappeared? The K Force guys yeah. like that, 10K guys mm-hmm. like that, who are dope rappers and dope artists yeah. in Toronto. There's tons of them. Right. Or they put out independent stuff and it kind of like went through the cracks because there wasn't infrastructure to support them. Am I guilty? on that for doing that myself yeah I didn't support as many people as I should have yeah but it is what it is now there's always been a lot of talented people and now that the eyes are on Toronto a lot more people are getting the look the light and the look we need that we need that you know what I mean it's it's to real the podcast like subscribe y'all go fuck with Harris Rose and shit behind the music tales um man thanks for coming through appreciate it thanks for the opportunity